welcome back to the Who Are You to Lead Anyway podcast from Mastering Skills to Navigate Leadership in Life, episode 20. If you have just found me in my work or are new here, welcome, welcome. I am your host, Cynthia Jameson, and today we're going to talk about a topic that affects all of us, decision making. (laughs) From my work in leadership development, there are two skills specifically, which as a leader, you will need if you want to be successful in an executive role in your organization. The first is leading decisively, and the second is thriving in chaos big surprise. (laughs) And I'm sure that I will do an episode on this in the future. However, today I want to talk about decisions. In my experience working with leaders, whether the choices we face are big or small, there can be a struggle to weigh those pros and cons, to assess the risks of and the benefits, and to choose the best path forward. We could, all, we could have an entire podcast on how do we choose the quote-unquote best path forward. However, I digress. <laughs> so remember, before I kind of, I want to set a little bit of context. Remember how our brain can keep us from achieving our goals? This is the motivational triad. So the three principles which make up the motivational triad are seek pleasure, avoid pain, and be efficient, which I like to call the path of least resistance. <laughs> Okay, so I want to share some insights, some strategies, some tips to help you make informed, confident, and satisfying decisions. And I've broken it down into three parts for you today. The first is reasons decision-making can be challenging. The second is practical tips on how to make decisions, and I'm going to share an example of each, and when to seek help as a leader. Okay, if you're ready, let's go. The first, let's talk about five reasons that making decisions can be challenging. So the very first one is a fear of making mistakes or missing opportunities. A lot of leaders I've coached, their fear comes from the weight of responsibility they hold for their team. It's a really heavy weight when you're really caring for other people, right? They care for their team, they care for their deliverables, and they care for the impact that they have on the organization. I know you, I see you, I hear you, I feel you. I know you don't want to make the wrong decision because, of course, mistakes and missed opportunities can have negative consequences. So it's important for you to balance risk-taking with careful consideration and planning so that you can make an informed decision. Now, I will say that the fear of making a decision isn't a reason not to decide. Okay, so sitting in a decision can feel terrible. And here's the thing that I've learned about decisions. You just make another one, right? You can just make another decision if you make a decision that isn't right. Two types of decisions. The the one that's right or the one that you make right. <laughs> okay. This brings me to the second reasons that it can be second reason that can be challenging, which is lack of information or options. Now, having limited information or limited options can negatively impact decision making. <clears throat> Excuse me, a little bit of a frog in my throat. <clears> throat> having limited information or limited options can negatively impact decision making by increasing uncertainty and anxiety within us. 
So we could aim to gather as much information as possible by including your team, bring them involved in the conversation, talk to them, right? Figure out what information you need to have, brainstorm, gather what data you need to have, consider your cross-functional partners and explore some of the multiple options to make informed and well-supported decisions, right? So what's key around um, the information or the options is to bring other people in, especially if there's going to be impact, okay? This brings me to the third reason why it can be challenging, which is conflicting values or priorities. So when there's a conflict in our values or our priorities, it really can complicate the decision-making process, and it can lead to indecisiveness and less than optimal outcomes for anyone. Here's where identifying the most important values or the most important priorities is important in the specific uh, situation that you have. Or you could also think about how do we find a compromise? And again, pulling in the input from other people is crucial here to ensure that we have informed decisions that are aligning with personal or organizational values. And this brings me to another really interesting decision, like a reason that it can be challenging, which is an emotional bias or blind spots. Now, first, a little bit of context. So as a leader, you are human. And as a human, you come with bias. And so we have emotional biases. We have blind spots. We can, these things about us by the fact that we're human can have an impact on the decision making that we make. How? It limits our our ability to consider all available information objectively. We get attached. We get emotional about it. So making decisions based on our personal bias rather than a rational analysis can lead to poor decisions, misinterpretation of data, and potentially negative consequences. So a really great example of this that I have seen so many times over decades of supporting leaders is favoritism. Either they have favoritism toward, I mean, there's, I could use this in so many contexts, but for you as a new leader, consider these. There's a particular candidate. There's a particular employee. There's a personal preference for an outcome. I want to see this person in this role versus using objective hiring data, job performance data, skill set data. So an insider's tip to combat this is wherever possible, set the criteria ahead of time to ensure that as much bias that could be removed is. Another way of doing this is asking, if we kind of take the people out of it for a moment, what would you want to do then? What would the ideal outcome be then? Right? And this brings me to my last reason decisions can be challenging, which is this, pressure. (laughs) Pressure from others or self-imposed pressure in the form of deadlines even. So when leaders experience external pressure or add the self-imposed pressure or or of a deadline, it can result in hasty decisions, missed opportunities, or even rework. So it's crucial for leaders to balance that external pressure with their own judgment and make some informed decisions that align with the goals and the values and those of their organization. So it could be that you might need to push back. You might need to ask for a little bit more time. 
while you gather what you need to, right? So just something for you to consider. Decision-making can be stressful, and making decisions is essential as a leader. So you might need to accept that in some cases, fear and lack of self-confidence are often a part of the process. And it's okay. It doesn't have to mean anything about you, okay? This can be uncomfortable. It can be just as uncomfortable as sitting in indecision. (laughs) So actually not deciding, right? So one of the other things that I would say is not deciding is also a decision. And awareness is the first step to change. So if this resonates with you, be curious and just notice if you're avoiding or procrastinating on on a decision, hoping that a decision will resolve itself because in my experience, it doesn't happen. Or if it does, quote unquote, resolve itself, it's usually not in a way that you want and can lead to regret and missed opportunities. A great example of this is performance conversations. People just assume, oh, well, it's too late. I don't want to talk to them now. It seems like it's worked out. In some cases, not in all, but in some cases, what's happened is the employee has created a third option, which is not doing the work, not having the performance conversation, and has kind of It's just wiggling along in that middle line that they've created in between. So just notice. In my work with leaders, there are a couple of useful questions that you might find helpful. If this were solved, what would it look like? And just bring your brain through that process. Or what becomes possible if the worst case happens? This one's fascinating. I had a leader last week who um, was just advised that in the return to work, there were going to be some changes that had to be made. And their biggest fears were were discovered and uncovered as we asked, well, well, let's just go there. So let's go through the worst case scenario. What happens then? And it was amazing. They actually listed out seven different options that became possible as a result of the worst case scenario. So it just took the fear away and exposed what was possible, just brought their brain to a different place. All right. I hope you're enjoying this so far. Now let's talk about how to make decisions. Here I want to offer some practical advice on how to approach decision making and demonstrate each of these steps with an example from a professional experience of mine. So the first is clarifying your your goals and values. Here I want you to think about what matters from a personal sorry, from a professional context or if a person, you could use these for personal too, and write those goals down. Once you have the goals down, prioritize them by importance and then create a plan with some actionable steps and timelines and review routinely. I skipped over this really quickly and the reason I did is because if you want deep dive specifics, I've got you. Find episode four for setting goals and episode three for clarifying your values. So an example that I want to use throughout this episode comes from when I was a regional HR manager, when I was asked to lead a fuel efficiency project for a transportation company. What is even happening? (laughs) That's what I asked as well. Turns out there's a reason and it has something to do with objective data. Okay, but I digress. So the goals in this particular project were that we wanted cost savings. We needed to have them. It was a time in the business when it was really incredibly expensive to provide the fuel for our drivers. Okay, the second criteria was the timeline. In between 12, no longer than 18 months, and the values that we had to ensure 
that we did our work around was that our drivers had to provide superior quality service. Another goal was to have regular data in the hands of the drivers to include them in the process so that they could begin to understand their impact of their stats. So how they behaved in the truck led to what was their percentage of idle time? What was their percentage of drive time? What was their speed? What was the overall fuel efficiency? And what could they do to increase it? Okay, this leads me to the second piece, which is gathering and evaluating relevant information. In my experience, leaders who take time to understand what information they need specifically and from whom, so this might take a little bit of time, they need the information. When it comes to evaluating, it's really important in the context of being transparent and building trust to be mindful of communicating the processes and the rationale to the stakeholders. So in the example of the fuel project, what this looked like was doing some research, right? There was research online. There was research that in real time, there was visiting transportation companies that were recognized in the industry for um, really trend-setting fuel efficiency, meeting with individuals in driver services, which looked after this particular area of the business, asking a ton of questions and learning about the work that they were doing. And then coming back and communicating with the driver population and also meeting separately with stakeholders with regular updates. Okay, this sounds like a small piece, but it's a huge impact of time. Okay, also to be considered in making decisions is identifying and challenging your assumptions and your biases. So I know that I've touched on biases above, but I want to dig in here and say that depending on what specifically is being evaluated, I can't stress enough how valuable it is to be intentional and determine the criteria that you'll use to evaluate your decisions ahead of time. And <laughs> get alignment from your key opinion leaders. This may and often does take more effort up front, and it's so worth it in the end to make sure that you have an unbiased decision that allows you to communicate with honesty and transparency and live by your values, okay, as the person who's driving this work. In the example of the fuel project, there were a lot of assumptions about drivers, because drivers are humans, and this is what we do, right? As humans who operate brains, we make assumptions. And so there were a lot of assumptions and biases on their impact, on their fuel efficiency, on how they drove, on how behavior was translated to driving the truck, etc. So it was really important here to identify the measures we were going to use and why they were important, right? So we I will tell you what we did here. We de-identified drivers' names from the metrics. And I will actually add a caveat here to say, I was very fortunate in this work to work with a financial analyst and we worked side by side, shoulder to shoulder all the time with this particular work. And we took extra care and caution to make sure that we did that, de-identifying the drivers' names. I think a lot of that was because of my HR background, which if you were curious about why I was asked to do this project, this was why, because I didn't know anything and I could ask the quote unquote stupid questions. <laughs> Just going to park that there. 
Okay, so my HR background was key because there would be recommendations that would have impact on behavior, on drivers, on compensation, on bonuses, etc. Okay, this leads me to another area, which is really key when you're thinking about making decisions. So generating and comparing alternatives. Once information has been gathered, you need to be ready to evaluate each option by considering the pros and cons and potential outcomes of each and the consequences, both short and long term. Okay, so there's a lot of data gathering that goes on here. And from based on the based on the analysis, right? So you have the data, you analyze it, and based on that, select the option or the recommendation that can go forward. And what I would also say is it's really useful to have more than one. That way you're you're showing and you're demonstrating to your key opinion leaders that you have really thought this through because you have more than one recommendation and they now have a choice. So in an organizational context, this often involves consulting with others, doing your research, weighing those various factors, and using critical thinking skills to make an informed decision. So in my example, the result that I will share with you is we had several recommendations for the key opinion leaders to choose from, which included de-incentivizing, which I realize is not a real word, but that was an option. We also had an option of having a chargeback option. We had an option of incentivizing drivers who'd done well. We had an an option of um, doing this on a trial basis with no impact to the pocketbook for the drivers for a six-month period. And we also had an option to how we would change, how we would engage the drivers in the meantime to impact and change behavior while driving. All right. So this leads me to what we did next, which was testing the decision with a pre-mortem analysis. This was an opportunity to imagine the decision was failed <laughs> and identifying the reasons why each uh, enabled the stakeholders to assess potential issues ahead of time and minimize risk of failure. So in my example, this was key to really an interesting thing. We knew that the drivers would be impacted and we didn't want to lose them because retention was important. It still is, right? So these are human beings with lives, etc. So we decided to address some of these issues ahead of time by creating a quarterly scorecard for each driver We met with them one-on-one to review their efficiency stats with the intention to engage them, to include them, to understand what from a behavioral perspective could be done to get their buy-in, to get them on board with what we were doing, etc. Now, I realize this, I mean, hmm, this is more about how what I can give you as a new leader to go forward with and less about the project that I did. So there is a great article that I've sourced for you by HBR. I'm going to link it up in the show notes for you. And if you're looking for more information on specifically testing the the decision with a uh, pre-mortem, that will be the link in the show notes for you. Okay, this leads me to the last step, which is implementing and monitoring your decision. So depending on the scope or the impact of the decision as a leader, there's so much more to do. Key elements are to consider the timeline, the checkpoints, the milestones along the way, and what data will be gathered as well. What data will be evaluated and communicated to the relevant stakeholders. So in my experience, what I want to share with you here is 
A great leader will also, in addition to these things, ensure that they provide feedback and recognition and support to the team which makes it all happen. Right. So in my example, we had monthly metric updates, we had quarterly scorecards, we had driver meetings, we had newsletter updates for the organization as a whole, and we recognized the drivers for their efforts in those venues and more, by the way. Um, and over time, we did this over time. Right. And so what was interesting is an entire organization was struck up to manage this new way of working. And there was opportunities for me to recognize the financial analyst that I was working with, because I can truly honestly tell you, I could never have done this work without him. I could never have done this work without my small team of, and it wasn't a team that reported to me. It was a key of a team of key leaders within the organization that really were around me as we led through and executed this project. Okay. I'm just going to shift now into the last area that I want to touch on, which is when to seek help. So I've been thinking of you because as new leaders, some decisions are too complex, too risky, or emotional to make on your own. If you've experienced this, you'll know what I mean. And my intention is to suggest some situations where seeking advice, feedback, or support can be helpful, such as medical, legal, or financial matters. That's the first one. The second one is career or life transitions. The third is relationship or family issues. The fourth is mental health or addiction concerns. And the fifth is ethical or moral dilemmas. Now, as a leader, I know that you're responsible for a lot. And you cannot be all of the things to all of the people. So in these areas that I've mentioned above, my recommendation is to trust your intuition, lean into your values, and actively seek out an alternate and diverse perspective and source of information. If you're not sure where to begin, your HR business partner can be a really great first step. If it's an ethical or moral dilemma, I would invite you to think about, it can be your HR business partner, it also can be a trusted advisor of yours. Right. So there are some organizations that have uh, wellness or medical services tied to it, depending on the type of work your organization does. And they might have also uh, some support like an EFAP uh, program or support in place for, for you like that. But also trust your intuition. Trust your intuition. Okay, in wrapping up this episode, I realized there was a lot here for you, but I want to express my gratitude to you for tuning in. My intention was to provide you useful ideas and inspiration to help you navigate your own decision-making challenges. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I can already imagine me thinking about, well, I'm already thinking about as I say this, just spin-offs from this episode into other shorter episodes that you also might find useful. This is more of a guide. And I want to invite you, if you have feedback, please reach out. Please let me know what you think. If you have suggestions for future topics, also reach out. Remember, as I leave you with this, no decision is perfect. <laughs> but every decision can be a learning opportunity once you make it. So until next week, Keep choosing wisely. 
Take care of yourself. Take care of your team. And I will see you next week. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening. Your feedback is a gift. Please rate and review with your honest opinion. Subscribe and share with your colleagues, especially if you've worked with me and found value in the work we've done together. Connect with me in my favorite places, LinkedIn and Instagram. My website is Cynthia Jamison Coach, all lowercase, all one word, dot C-A. Until next time, make it a great week. <laughs>